0: Good morning, Gwinnett Church. Okay, I know y'all just got back from fall break, but you can do better than that. Is anyone excited to be in the house at the 11:15 today? So good, so good. Uh, Well, awesome. My name is Gerald Fadiomi, and it is such a privilege and a gift to be with you. Reed really is one of my best friends in the world. That's not just like pastor talk where like, my friend is here. Like, he was in my wedding. That's literally one of my best friends. Um, And so it's a gift to be with you all. Love, 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 Gwinnett Church. Um, If you haven't been around for the last few weeks, you're in a season right now as a church called Be Rich. Um, And it's where, as a church, you focus on giving and serving and loving your community in a radical way. Um, And so for the last few weeks, you've been in this series, This Is How We Change the World. Um, And really, this whole series has been about one word. It's been about love. In week one, Reed kicked off this series by saying, hey, this love is not just loving how you want to love. This love is defined. Uh, It's loving as Jesus has first loved us. This love is developed, that it's developed in us over time. And this love is impactful when demonstrated that if we will get this right, it actually could Change the world. And then last week we got to hear from our friend Brooklyn, and she did a phenomenal job talking about uh, how loving requires service. That if we're gonna love like Jesus, we have to serve like Jesus. And this week we're gonna be wrapping up the series, This is How We Change the World, and we're gonna be talking about an idea that I believe if we will lean into and embrace this idea, then it'll allow us to take what's been a season called Be Rich and turn it into a lifestyle of how we live. That it doesn't just have to be a season, but it may just very well become the lives we live. And so um, I'm gonna pray for us. We're gonna jump in uh, and I I ask that you would lean in with me. It'll be a good time. So let's pray together. Uh, Father, we love you. And um, we're just so grateful that we can gather in this place and worship you, um, hear from you. Um, Ultimately, God, I can't change lives. Only you can do that. And so... I pray that you would take these words and that you would do with them what you will, um, that you would change our hearts, that you would change my heart and that we would walk out of this room different because we were here. And so we're asking, Father, that you would speak now and we're listening and we're ready to hear from you. We pray all these things in Jesus' name. Amen, amen. Um, I wanted to start our time with a question, and uh, it's a question. It's not a rhetorical question. It's a question I actually want you to participate with. Um, so in a second, you're going to turn to your neighbor and talk to him. If you're married, turn to your spouse, um, and this will be really helpful for you. Honestly, um, some of you after the service should come and thank me for asking this question um, because it's really going to help your relationships. It's going to help your friendships. It's going to help your marriage. Husbands, uh, before I ask this question, I would recommend you go ahead and take out a sheet of paper, a pen, take really good notes. This is going to be helpful for you. Okay, here's the question. Turn to your neighbor. You're going to answer this question. Uh, If you could have or do anything for your birthday this year, what would it be? If you could have or do anything for your birthday this year, what would it be? Turn to your neighbor, answer that question really quickly. Have or do anything for your birthday this year, what would it be? It's great. Make sure you're getting good notes, good notes, good notes. Write it down. Ian, make sure you write it down, bro. Come on. I love it. Awesome. So uh, if, if you don't know me, let me just give you a little bit of context for my life. Um, my wife and I are crazy people. Um, we have decided that we're gonna plant a church right now in Roswell, Georgia in the middle of a pandemic. Um, yeah, thank you for that. Um, We're wild. Actually, my friends Christian and Annie are here. They're planning with us. They came all the way from Memphis to Atlanta to plant this church. So we're crazy people. Um, But we're not just crazy because we're planning a church in a pandemic. We're crazy because we're planning a church in a pandemic while also having three kids under the age of two. Um, Yeah, yeah, I know. I'm a dad. I'm a good dad. So I brought pictures of my kids. That's what qualifies whether you're a good dad or not is if you have pictures. And so these are my girls. This is Wesley and Zoe. Um, that's after we spent some time running through sprinklers. They're 18 months and they're amazing. And that's literally their life all the time. Like Wesley making goofy faces, eating a PB and J, and Zoe looking at her like, "Girl, what is wrong with you?" Right? Um, and so that's them. And then we have our third. This is Trinity, Hope, Fatiomi, Uh and she is just about to turn three months old. Um, and they're awesome, uh, y'all. I love my kids. I love them. I need to say that before I say what's about what I'm about to say next. Um, I love my kids. There are moments with the three of them together that I want to drop kick them in the throat. You know what I'm saying? Um, And some of y'all are like, you can't say that. Well, if you're a parent, you know, that's exactly how we feel. We just don't verbalize it, right? And so I love my kids, um, but sometimes they drive me crazy. And so when my wife asked me that question, if I could have or do anything that I wanted for my birthday this year, what would it be? Um, The answer to that question came to me instantly. It was like the quickest I'd ever been decisive about anything in my entire life. What do you want for your birthday this year? I said, babe, here's what I want. I want to roll out of bed, still wearing whatever I want to sleep in. I want to walk down the hallway to our guest room. I want my computer, my phone, and a bag of Black Forest gummy bears in there because they are far better than Harborough gummy bears. And I want to go in the room. I want to close the door. And I want to lock it. That's what I want for my birthday. I don't want to see the girls all day. And babe, I love you. I don't want to see you either, right? (laughs) Like I just want a day to myself. And so I woke up on my birthday, rolled out of bed, walked over to my guest room. The sitter showed up, took care of our girls. I went in, I locked the door. I watched as much Netflix as I want. I ate all the gummy bears that I could handle. I slept, I took naps. Y'all, it was the best birthday of my entire life. It was so good. Been thinking about that day literally every day since, August 18th, till now. I cannot stop thinking about it. It's funny, when I think about that day though, there's really only one word that I can use to describe it. Word is this, it's selfish, selfish. Because if I was honest, like what I wanted for that day was just a day to be selfish, a day to do what I want, to watch what I want, to eat what I want, to just live life on my own schedule, to not be bothered or inconvenienced by anyone else. Now hear me this morning, church. I am not saying that you shouldn't have rhythms of rest. That's actually biblical. To have rhythms to rest and recharge and self-care, like all of those things are good. But what I'm saying to you this morning is what I realized in my heart is that I have a bent towards selfishness. And it wasn't just a day, it's how I am all of the time. It's that I never really wanna be bothered by anyone else. I never really wanna be inconvenienced by somebody else's needs. I don't wanna have to orient my schedule and my life around someone else. I always wanna eat what I want and watch what I want and go where I want and do what I want. Like in my heart, there's this natural bent towards selfishness. I can feel some of you judging me in the room. But before you judge too hard, can we be honest? You do as well, right? that we all naturally have this bent towards selfishness. You want to do what you wanna do and you wanna watch what you wanna watch and you wanna go where you wanna go and you wanna do what you wanna do and you don't really wanna be inconvenienced by anyone else and you don't wanna have to orient your life and your schedule around someone else. We are all just a little bit selfish and if we could be honest, we're all just a lot of bit selfish, aren't we? I can't blame you. I mean, it's the culture we live in, right? Like our culture naturally drives us towards selfishness. We live in a culture that says things like this. "Um, You do you, boo-boo. Or you know what you should do? You should just do whatever's gonna make you happy, you know? Or like the common one, common phrase that a lot of millennials and Gen Z are saying and just full transparency. I don't really like this phrase. I don't think it makes any sense, but they say it all the time. They're like, you should just live your truth, you know, dude? Like live your truth, man. Which, what do you do when your truth gets in the way of someone else's truth? Like whose truth gets to be the doesn't make sense, you know? We live in a culture that says things like this. Or how about this? You deserve a fill in the blank, right? You deserve a vacation. I know you just got back from fall break, but you need another vacation. That one was not long enough. Or you deserve a raise or a promotion, right? Like you're 22 and you showed up on time every day for a week, raise, promotion, you know? And we live in this culture that's like, it's constantly driving us towards selfishness. It's constantly driving us to be self-absorbed. It's constantly driving us towards self-centeredness. And most of all, it is driving us towards consumerism. We live in this self-centered, self-absorbed, selfish, consumeristic culture that is constantly thinking about what's in it for me. So I can't blame you for thinking that way. We all think that way. Our society leads us to it. You know how I know we live in a consumeristic culture? Anyone have an Amazon membership in the room? Raise them high, be proud, come on. All right, now leave them up if you use it way more than you should. Yeah, exactly. It's all of us. And whoever put your hand down, you're lying, right? Like we live in a culture that drives us towards consumerism. And so I was thinking about this idea and, and this thought just came to mind. It's likely we kind of live life with one of these, you know? Um, I promise I did not steal this from your local Kroger um, ironically, they got this for me off of Amazon, so, <laughs> um, it's too good. Um, but it's like we live life with one of these, you know, and we take this with us metaphorically in every relationship, in every environment that we're in, bring this with us into our friendships, and we're like, hmm, ooh, make me feel accepted, thank you. Make me feel like I belong, thank you very much. Make me feel significant. Oh, thank you. Yeah, and if you can't do that, I'll just, I'll take this on to the next person who will. We do this with our jobs. Make me feel valuable. The only way I'll feel valuable is if you give me the raise. Thank you. Make me feel like I'm important. So the only way I'll feel important is if I get that promotion, give me another division, give me more people to manage. Thank you very much. And if you can't do that, then I'll just go to the next job, you know? We do this with our marriage. Make me feel beautiful. Make me feel loved. Make me feel like I'm cared for. And if you can't do that, then. We even kind of do this with church, don't we? Oh gosh, who is leading worship this week? I really hope it's Desi or Casey because that other guy, he was off pitch. What, song, what songs are we singing? Gosh, ah, man, I really, really hope they're singing the song that I know the lyrics to because the Holy Spirit only moves if I know the lyrics to the song, you know? (laughs) Who's preaching this week? Gosh, it better be Andy or Reed. It better not be that Gerald guy again, I swear, right? Like, if we're honest, it's like we walk around with one of these and we just take and take and take and take And we consume and consume and consume and consume. And it's give me, give me, give me, give me, fill me up. And we live our entire life like this. And then we eventually die. And it's like we just kind of shop till you drop, you know? Where you take and take and take and take and consume and consume and consume and consume. And and then you leave the planet earth. Can I just ask you a question this morning, church? Is that how you want to be? Is that the life you want to live? Is that what you want to be known for? I mean, come on, fast forward to your funeral. Is this what you want people to say about you? Man, John, he was a great guy, you know? He just took and took and took and took, and then he died. And that even sounds ridiculous coming out of my mouth, but if we could be honest, this is the way that a lot of us live. This self-centered, self-absorbed, selfish, consumeristic mindset. And it is not and will not work for us. I'll give you a couple of reasons why. Number one, this, if you've done this for any period of time, you know, it does not last, does it? No. Because the nature of consumption is that you consume it, you use it, and then you come back for more. It's the reason your iPhone stops working every two years. You know that, right? And then ironically, a new one just happens to come out right at the same time, you know? Because a good marketing plan, a good business plan, a good strategy for a company is to create a product that you have to consume over and over and over again. You always have to come come back for more. It is the nature of consumption. And for a lot of us, what we do with our relationships is we come and we take and we take and we take and we use and use and use. And then we have to come back and ask for more over and over and over and over again. Because we are trying to satisfy an eternal soul with temporary earthly things. And it does not last. Worse than that, it's damaging to others, right? And you know this because you've been on the other side of this cart, haven't you? And you know what it's like when the phone rings and you see their name and you're going, oh, what do they want now? They always want something from me. You know what it's like to need something from from them. And when you call, your phone call gets screened. But as soon as they need something from, from you, they're showing up at the front door. You know what it feels like to be taken advantage of. You know what it feels like to be used. You know what it feels like to be on the other end of this. But the question for you this morning is are people on the other end of this from you? Have you settled for a consumeristic, self-centered, selfish, self-absorbed life. Here's the deal, y'all. Shopping cart living is not life-giving. And this is not what God has called us to. In fact, Jesus actually invites us into and demonstrates for us a different and better way to live. If you have your Bibles with you, we're gonna be in Philippians chapter two. A little context, the book of Philippians is known as the book of joy, the happiest book of the Bible It's written by the apostle Paul, which if you've been around church, you know Paul used to be Saul. He was a hater of Christians, a murderer of Christians, would later become a Christian and plant churches all around the Mediterranean rim. The church in Philippi was one of the churches that he planted. And he would write this letter, Philippians, to the church in Philippi for a few reasons. One, because Paul at this point when he was writing this letter was actually in prison and the church in Philippi heard what was going on and so they sent someone with money and gifts to help Paul get through the season. So the letter was a thank you. He would write this letter to encourage the church to continue to walk with Jesus and follow Jesus. And he would also write this letter to challenge them to continue to grow in their faith. Watch the video about this particular section of scripture that we're about to read, Philippians 2, 3 through 8. And the, the scholar who made this video said this. He said that this section of scripture is the epicenter of the book. That the whole book revolves around this one little section that Paul writes. It's almost like a poem about Jesus So we're gonna look at this Philippians chapter two verses three through eight. I believe it'll be incredibly helpful for us. It says this, do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit. If you do a word study uh, of that word nothing in the Greek, it's amazing. It actually means nothing. Um, (laughs) Do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit, but rather in humility, value others above yourself, not looking to your own interests, but each of you, to the interests of others. So Paul starts this little section by going, hey guys, 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 come on. Don't do anything with selfish, selfish ambition. Don't do anything with a what's in it for me mentality. Don't go into your relationships and the environments around you going, what can I get out of this? How does this benefit me? Essentially, Paul is going, don't live with the shopping cart mentality. Do nothing like this. Do nothing as a consumer. Do nothing with selfish motives. Do nothing with a self-centered mentality. No, 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 Do not live like this, but rather in humility. And then he describes what humility actually is for us. Value others above yourself. How? By not looking to your own interests, but looking to the interests of others. So what is humility? It's not thinking less of yourself. It's not low self-esteem. Humility isn't thinking less of yourself. It's thinking of yourself less. And so Paul goes, guys, 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 come on if you're gonna be a follower of Jesus, you don't come to the table going, what's in it for me? He goes, no, I want you to think about it a little bit differently. I want you to imagine every relationship in your life, every environment in your life. And as you imagine that relationship or that environment, imagine you on one side and the other person or the company on the opposite side. And then imagine a table right in between the two of you. Paul's going, hey, as it comes to your relationships, As a follower of Jesus, I don't want you to come to the table going, Hey, what did you bring? What do you have to give me? What do you have to offer me? He goes, No, no, no. Don't come to the table to consume, but rather, when you come to the table, come with something to offer. Do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit, but rather, in humility, value others above yourself, not thinking of your own interests, but thinking of the interests of the people. Around you, And then Paul takes it a step further and tells us where he gets this idea idea from. Verses five through eight, he says this. And your relationships with one another have the same mindset as Christ Jesus, who being in very nature God did not consider equality with God something to be used for his own advantage, but rather he made himself nothing by taking the very nature of a servant, being made in human likeness. And being found in the appearance of a man, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to death even death on a cross. That the creator of the universe would step down into creation in humility to serve you and to serve me. We're gonna understand the weight of what Paul was saying here. There's a phrase that I wanna pull out of the text. He says this, Do not con- that he did not consider equality with God something to be used for his own advantage, talking about Jesus. So let's talk about this phrase, equality with God. As Jesus followers, we believe in a triune God, in the Trinity, the fa- God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit, three persons, one being. How it works is a mystery, but that's what we believe. And so when Paul is writing this, he's going, guys, 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 I need you to understand who it is that we're talking about. We're not talking about Jesus just like a really great teacher. We're not talking about Jesus just like a miracle worker. We're not talking about Jesus the prophet. No, 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 no. We are talking about the God of the universe that all things were made from him and through him, that he sits at the right hand of God, that he will judge the living and the dead, that he defeated sin, death, and the grave once and for all. We're not talking about just a teacher. We're not talking about a miracle worker. We're not just talking about a prophet. We are talking about the God of the universe when we're talking about Jesus. And this is so important, y'all, because how you view Jesus will determine how you follow Jesus. I had a conversation with a friend the other day and she said to me, she goes, Gerald, why why can't we just like go through the gospels, you know, and like pick out some of the teachings of Jesus that are like really good and really helpful. Like, you know, when he says like, love your neighbor, turn the other cheek, like let's do those things. But then things that are like too hard or or that don't feel like they really apply to our lives anymore, like we just don't do those things. Like, why can't we just kind of pick and choose? And I said, you know, you can do that. You can do that if you just view Jesus as a teacher. But when you realize that Jesus is the God of the universe, When you realize that he is the Lord of your life, you do not pick and choose. You fully submit all of who you are to all of who he is. And so Paul is going, do not miss who Jesus is. He had equality with God. He is in very nature God, but he did not consider that something to be used to his own advantage. Rather, the God of the universe, the creator of it all in humility came to the planet earth and felt the pain that you felt. It was betrayed like you've been betrayed, and dealt with pain the way that you dealt with pain. And not only that, he would take on your sin, he would go to the cross and he would die the most excruciating death known to humankind for you and for me. And he goes, Jesus, the only one who had the right to live with a shopping basket mentality The only one who had the right to say, Give me, give me, give me, serve me, serve me, serve me, chose another way. That Jesus didn't walk around with one of these. Rather, he walked through life with one of these. That he would come to the planet Earth and he'd get to work for you and for me. That he'd wash the feet of his disciples. That he would touch the untouchable, that he would forgive the unforgivable, that he would love the unlovable, and then he would give his life for us. That the only one who had the right to carry this carried this. So, what's our excuse? What's our excuse for living a self-centered, self-absorbed, selfish, me-first, consumeristic life if the creator of the universe chose a different way? See, if I could sum up this whole teaching from Paul, I'd say it simply like this, that as followers of Jesus, we're called to be a contributor, not a consumer. That we're called to be contributors, not consumers. That we are called to walk in every environment and every relationship carrying one of these going, how can I serve you? How can I love you? How can I give to you? How can I be for you? Can you imagine where your friendships would look like if you walked in with one of these? Hey man, I know it's been a hard week. How can I serve you? I know you and your family are going through a hard time. What do you need? Can you imagine the type of parent you would be if instead of hearing things like I heard growing up, like I brought you into this world, I will take you out of it. It was more like, hey, I know how hard high school was for me. I cannot imagine what it's like for you growing up in this digital age. I can't imagine what the bullying is like or, or what the drama is like. But I love you, so just tell me, like, what can I do for you? How can I serve you? Can you imagine being that type of child? <laughs> Understanding the weight that your parents are carrying? And choosing, instead of complaining about everything that they've done wrong, to come to the table and go, hey, I cannot imagine how hard it is to raise us. So what can I do to serve you? How can I help? Can you imagine the type of employer you would be if instead of saying, hey, I pay you, do your job? You said, hey, how's your son doing? How's your daughter? how'd they do in their football game or their basketball game or their lacrosse deal or their cross country meet, even though that's not really a sport? Like, how did they do? (laughs) Sorry, it's not, it's pointless running. Um, (laughs) If you're offended, sorry. (laughs) Can you imagine being that kind of employer? Can you imagine being that kind of employee? who I cannot imagine the way of trying to run this organization in the middle of a global pandemic and trying to keep everything afloat. I am so grateful that your doors are still open and I still have a place to work. Is there anything I can do to serve you? I'm not looking for a raise. I'm not looking for more money. I'm not looking for more influence. I'm just trying to be like Jesus. How can I help? How can I serve? Can you imagine the type of spouse you would be? The type of husband, type of wife. Can you imagine the kind of church you would be if it didn't matter who was singing? If it didn't matter who was preaching? it didn't matter what songs were being sung, you just came to the church and you said, here's the deal, I have been uniquely gifted and wired by God. I'm really good with finances. I'm really good at talking to people. I'm really good at building things. I'm really good at giving. We have an awesome house. We wanna open it up and be a, a host for, or for for a weekend for students. Like I want to come and bring whatever I have to the table and be the hands and feet of Jesus because I believe that the church is the hope of the world and I wanna be a part of the movement of God. Can you imagine what this community would look like if each and every one of us started to walk through life with one of these? Can you imagine what the world would look like if Christians, watch this, got off Facebook for a minute and stopped gossiping about and talking about and hating each other over the dumbest things and we actually decided to pick up a shovel and be the hands and feet of Jesus in the world? Can you imagine what our world would look like if we decided to live Like this. Y'all, this is what Jesus has called us to. And this is what Jesus has modeled for us that we would put down the shopping cart and would pick up the shovel. So, for the next eight minutes and five, four, three, two, one seconds that I have left, I wanna talk to you about how you get from here to there. How do you go from consumer to contributor? How do you go from shopping cart to shovel? How do you go from selfish to selfless? The answer to this is going to surprise you, I think. Because for many of, many of us, what we would think is, well, the way you go from here to here is you just try harder, you know? The, the way you go from here to here is you just put in more effort. Friends, hear me this morning. That has never been the Christian message. The Christian message has never been about, hey, try harder, be a better person, do enough good, and then you're good with God. The reality is we can never do enough good to be good with God. That's why the gospel, the good news, is that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us, meaning that there was nothing we could do to get from here to here. So Jesus came to the planet earth to do the work on our behalf. So the solution is not trying harder. The solution is getting closer. It's getting closer to Jesus, and it's understanding this word right here. It's understanding your identity in Christ. That's how you go from here to here. It's not effort, it's identity. Dr. Tony Evans, um, who I greatly respect, he wrote these, these words um, pertaining to this particular passage, he says this. "So how do we adopt Christ's mindset? Well, Jesus could serve because he knew He was God. Service was never a threat to him because he never lost sight of who he was. He was never insecure in his identity. He knew his position with the Father. So similarly, when you know who you are, a saint and a son or daughter of God, then rendering service will not be a problem. It's when you don't know who you are that serving becomes a problem. It's when you're unsure of your identity that you'll fear that serving is beneath you and that you will somehow be taken advantage of if you serve. So here's what Dr. Tony Evans is saying. He's saying, you know the reason why you walk around with one of these? It's because you need something from someone. Your identity is broken and you don't feel loved. So you go to someone and you go, hey, can you make me feel loved? And you don't feel valuable. So you go to someone else and you go, can you make me feel valuable? And you don't feel significant, so you go to someone else and you go, make me feel significant. And I don't feel beautiful, so I go to someone else and I go, make me feel beautiful. And so the reason that we walk around with one of these is because we constantly need someone to fill us up and fill a void that we are missing in our lives. But the Apostle Paul is saying to you and me today, he's going, you don't need to walk around to people going, help me, help me, help me, fill me, fill me, fill me, give me, give me, give me. You don't have to walk around hoping that people will fill your basket because Jesus has already given you your identity. And when you know who you are in him, it's a lot easier to not walk around with one of those, but to walk around with one of these. So as we wrap up our time together, here's what I wanna do. As a follower of Jesus, if you call yourself a Jesus follower in the room, let me tell you what the scripture says about you. This is who you are. You are born again. You are a saint. You are the salt of the earth. You are the light of the world. You are a disciple You are protected by the power of his name. You are set free by the truth. You are eternally secure in Christ. You are kept from the evil one. You are one with God the Father and with Jesus the Son. You are God's gift to Christ. You have peace with God. You have been justified by faith. You have access into God's grace. You can rejoice even in trouble. The love of God has been poured out into your heart. You are reigning in the life of Christ Jesus. You have been reconciled to God. You have been raised to walk in the newness of life. You have been united with Christ through his death and his resurrection. Your old self was crucified with Christ. You are no longer under the law, but you are under the freedom that's found in grace. You have eternal life in Christ Jesus. You have been freed from the power of sin. You are free from condemnation. You are a servant of God. You are led by the Spirit of God. You are joint heirs with Christ. You can be confident that all things work together for your good. You are being conformed into the image of the Son. You have been given all things. You are in Separable from the love of God. You are more than a conqueror in Christ Jesus. You are God's temple. You are washed, sanctified, and justified by the blood of Jesus. You have been bought with a price. You are triumphant in Christ. You are an ambassador of Christ. You are strong even when you are weak. You are redeemed. You are filled with the fruit of the Spirit. That is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. You are blessed with every spiritual blessing. You are a new, let me say that again, you are a new, creation in Christ Jesus. You are chosen by God to be holy and blameless. You are accepted. You have redemption through His blood. You are forgiven of all of your sin. You are called according to His purpose. You are made alive in Christ. You have been saved by grace through faith. You are God's handiwork created in Christ Jesus to do good works that He's prepared in advance for you to do. You have access to Jesus and to the Father. You can walk boldly into Christ's presence. You have a renewed sense of spirit and a renewed mind. The old man and old woman has been put off. You were once in darkness, but now you live in the light. You start. He who started a good work is faithful to complete it in you. You are a citizen of heaven. You can rejoice in the Lord always. You are a child of God. That is who you are. And church, when you understand that, then you can give like Jesus. When you understand that, then you can serve like Jesus. When you understand that, you can love like Jesus. And you can pick this up because the reality is it's a lot easier to love like Jesus when you know that you're loved by Jesus. And the solution isn't trying harder, it's getting closer. And the closer you get to Jesus, the more he secures his identity in you. The more you remember who you are, the less you need to go to somebody else to fill you up. And the more you can walk into every circumstance and every relationship going, I have something to offer. I've experienced hope and life and joy and purpose and freedom. And I wanna offer the same to you. This is the life that Jesus calls us to. And he empowers us to do it by his spirit, by his grace, and by the new identity he's given to you and to me. You see, this series has been all about love. And in week one, Reed said, love is defined. It's loving like Jesus. Love is developed, that it takes time, and that love is impactful when demonstrated that it really can change the world. Week two, Brooklyn said, hey, if we're going to love like Jesus, then we are called to serve like Jesus. we got to pick up our shovel. As we conclude this series, I just want to say to you that you can love like Jesus, but it first starts with knowing that you are loved by Jesus. The creator of the universe came to the planet Earth in humility and went to the cross for you and for me. And that should empower us to love and serve and give in a radical way. In just a moment, we're gonna wrap up our time with this song. Pablo, thanks for coming out and playing. Um, And the song that the team's been working on, they feel like it really encapsulates the idea of this series that we've been in. It's gonna talk all about love. And my hope for you is that as we sing this song over you, that maybe one of those statements that I read to you all from scripture would resonate with your heart and with your soul. And maybe in this moment, God would begin to shift your identity to see, to live, and to look more like him. Let me pray for you. Father, we love you. And we are so incredibly grateful that you love us. That that's the start of this relationship. It's not that we chose to love you. It's that you first loved us. And all we get to do is respond to that. And so one, we thank you for your love, but we also thank you for the ability to love the people around us well. Help us to do that by first reshaping, remolding our identity in you. Help us to remember that we're loved. Help us to remember that we're chosen. Help us to remember that we're yours. And as we remember that, would you help us to be your hands and your feet in this community? Would you help us to be your hands and your feet in this world? Would you help us to transform schools and neighborhoods and cities and counties and maybe even the world by the power of your name, by your grace and by your love? God, help us to be the church that you prayed for and help us to love like you. We love you and we thank you. We pray all these things in Jesus' name. And everyone said, amen.